take away from Caleb Williams' talent. Caleb Williams' talent is up here, okay? I got questions about Caleb Williams, the person, and I got questions about what the hell happened to him the second half of the season mm-hmm. that he fell off. And, and I said it to Kuiper yesterday, and he agreed with me. I said, until you find out why, and I must have said this a thousand times the last month and a half, until you get an acceptable answer for why, then you got a question making that selection. And I don't care everybody says he's a generational quarterback. He's not a generational quarterback until he proves he's a generational quarterback. It's short. Foreman with the catch. Foreman to the end zone for the touchdown. Warriors' long pass of the day is 15 yards, and it's intercepted. Picked off by Jalen Johnson. Johnson untouched for the touchdown. What's up, Bears fans? Big day today. We're coming at you a little early because we have, let's face it, so much to talk about after a crazy wild week. Um, so many different things came this way. We've got the salary cap at $30 million more than it was last year, opening up hopefully some ability to sign some uh, extensions, maybe sign a couple free agents. We've got the news where Justin Fields spoke with the St. Brown brothers on their podcast. We've had people like uh, Mike Florio talking about how Justin Fields, he believes is the answer in Chicago. And that's the direction that they're going. So many different things to talk about. Not enough time on a one hour show. So we're coming at you live for 90 minutes tonight. Jeff, why don't you say hello to the folks? What's up, everybody? It's good to see you all as usual. Looks like we've got a loaded chat tonight. You guys are throwing stuff in there left and right already. So it's good to see you all here. Uh, before we get going tonight, as always, please give the uh, give the video a like if you don't mind, guys. It, it helps us out. And give a, give us all a follow, a follow rather, at Barroom Network, uh, at JAW0235 is me, at jaw like, uh, J-A-W like jaw, 0235, sorry. And uh, at Tim Willis 24 is Tim over there on the other side. So um, like Tim said, we, there's a lot of stuff going on guys this week. That's, that's been out in the open, that interview that happened with uh, Justin Fields on the St. Brown brothers podcast has kind of gone viral now with, with him unfollowing the bears and the NFL on Instagram. It's really become a thing here. So he kind of broke it down on, on the sh- on their podcast. And we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, like I said, there's a like Tim said. Also, there's a bunch to talk about here, guys. So, um, what do you think, Tim? Where do you where do you want to get this thing started at? Because you know, there's with all this time we've got here tonight with this long extended show. I mean, I feel like we could devote a lot of time to any of these topics. So, what do we got here? What do you want well, to get? Let's, 
let's go ahead and start with the Justin Fields interview on the St. Brown brothers. So um, if you guys didn't know, uh, I believe it was on Wednesday, um, Justin Fields was on these equity or excuse me, the St. Brown brothers, Amon Ron Equinemius. Um, they have a podcast called the 33rd team. Um, and he was on their podcast. Um, just, they were just talking about the off season and all of these different things. And he was asked, um, by Amon Ra why he unfollowed the bears. So Aldo actually has a clip of this video. So let's go ahead and play that video. Aldo, if you don't mind. And then we'll talk about it afterwards. What's with the unfollow with the Bears? What's, what's up with that? Man, bro, I'm glad we're talking about it because people, why do people take social media so serious? Like, <laughs> but like why, why are you unfollowing the Bears? This and that. Like, I still mess with the Bears. This and that. I'm just trying to take a little break. I unfollow the Bears and the NFL, bro. I'm not just trying to have football on my timeline. Like, mm. I know y'all mess with a girl, EQ, especially you. Just because you don't follow the girl on IG don't mean you're not messing with them. That's true. That's true. That's facts. That's facts. But you you follow yeah, Luciana, right? Hmm? But listen, listen. Me, yeah, that's, that's, that's my bro. girlfriend though. That's different. But I'm saying, like, when you're single, it's you really messing with the girls you don't follow more than the girls you follow. You, you know feel me? Oh, like, so you're yeah, saying you mess with the bears? You're saying you mess with the bears more now that you don't follow them? Man, it's ah, not even like okay, that. Okay. It's it's something that I don't want to see in my timeline. I'm about to go on vacation. I don't want to see no football. And guess mm. what? Just get away. Get away from every bears post. It's either, uh, see who you follow. Uh, nah, let's see who you follow. Nah, see the draft Caleb. So it's like, bro, man, I'm tired yeah. of hearing the talk. We want like it's to, annoying. We want yeah. Caleb. Like, it's just, bro. So there's a couple of funny things I want to mention about this first. Number one, Equinemia St. Brown clearly has a much bigger social life than I ever realized. Um, number two, Amon Ra, he's he's an instigator. He's a funny guy. He definitely uh, isn't afraid to ask the tough questions and, and be funny about it. But my big takeaway from this is obviously, you know, let, let me put it to you this way. For instance, any social media platform. So, for instance, Facebook. Okay. Say you're friends with someone on Facebook, you're friends in real life, but they keep posting about the dumbest things or they're giving their entire life story every 35 seconds about, yep, just walked my dog outside. Now I think I'm going to come inside and pour myself a glass of cold milk. Like, we see this kind of stuff all the time, people posting like crazy. And, you know, eventually you're probably just going to hit the unfollow button. So on Facebook, it gives you the option, you know, you, you are still friends, but you can choose not to see their feeds. Same thing here. To me, it's, you know, in his shoes, you have to understand, like, this has probably been a very trying off season for him, probably more trying than any other season in the past. Because last year, I think it was pretty clear that they were going to stick with Justin. And I'm pretty sure that they probably told him, Hey, yeah, we're going to stick with you, but we have to exhaust all of our options here and, and find out for sure um, about the character of these guys, yada, 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 so forth. See if we can get a deal um, with a team and then go from there. But this year has been a little bit more, obviously uncertainty because of the number one overall pick and the idea that people believe that Caleb Williams is this generational prospect, which that's debatable, and that's for another conversation for another day. However, if you're in a guy's shoes, say you're in his shoes right now, what would you do? Like, honestly, I would do the same thing he's doing. I wouldn't want to see that all day, every day. Like, Justin Fields has got to go. Caleb Williams is the future, or Justin's my guy. And let's face reality, most of it is just people that feel very strongly one side or the other. There's not a whole lot of balance where people are like, you know, I like Justin, but I'll support the Bears either way. 
similar to us. There's not that many people out there. The people on social media are the ones that are like really driving hard one way or the other. So to me, even if you are a Fields fan, when he sees it, he's still probably, it's just too much. It's a lot for a guy. And he mentions later in the video that he's going on vacation and trying to get a break away from things. But just to be clear, in this video, Justin also says, you know, obviously, I want to play for the Bears. I want to stay in Chicago. I love Chicago. This is where my heart is. This is where I want to be. But at the same time, I just want it to all be over with. So if they're going to move me, they just need to move me so I know. But clearly, he does want to stay with the Bears. So um, I'll give you a quick rebuttal before I continue with my long-winded, or I guess I should say a little more long-winded rebuttal, <clears throat> because Mr. Mayhem in here has a comment about David Kaplan, and we just so happen to have a clip of that segment as well that I want to get into in a second here. So to rebuttal you, Tim, first and foremost, you mentioned that you think they they probably told Justin last year at some point that he was they were going to stick with him and they may or may have not, but I don't think it would have been at this time because like I said, and I've been telling you guys this for weeks now. I truly believe that this regime in particular does not make decisions on players, especially in the draft, unless they are convicted on that person uh, and that football character of that individual. And last year, they would not have gone into this process and said, Hey, we're not taking one of these quarterbacks unless we get, you know, if they were to get blown away by one of these guys, because that could have happened, which it obviously didn't. So that kind of brings me to my point with this year's situation now too, you know, and I want to get into this more later as well, but you know, most of you guys all know that I've been on this, this Justin Fields. I think we should stick with him and move down and acquire capital and all this. But the, the point I'm trying to make here is that, to, to go the other side of the coin, again, we have not made this decision yet. In my mind, they have not made this decision yet because they got to find more out about the person in the, the other persons in the draft, I should say, like Caleb Williams, like Drake May, like Jaden Daniels. If they get blown away by one of these guys, the person, the character, and it very well could be Caleb Williams, you're talking about one of them being taken here. So I don't necessarily agree with you as the point I was trying to make is that I don't think they would have told him at this point, hey, you're the guy. They would have waited until around after the combine and after they've seen a little bit more, unless they saw on film, like, hey, I don't really like what we're seeing enough on film to say, hey, you're, I think we're going to go in a different direction. You're probably the guy. That's possible, but I doubt it, is my point. So, anyways, where I want to segue with this now is that David Kaplan segment that we were talking about. Now, David Kaplan went on the radio today. I believe it was on the radio. I have not personally seen this myself, but luckily we do have the clip here. But he was going on and on about Justin Fields and unfollowing the Bears and how this is a surefire sign that he knows he's out the door. So if you want to go ahead and play that, Aldo, let's let's play that segment and then I'll kind of give you guys my take on all this. Unfollowing the Bears, unfollowing the NFL, that's a coward's way out. I don't want all the rumors on my timeline. I just want to go on vacation and get away from everything. Then why do you go on a podcast to become the lead story on every channel? When has the Bears ever posted about a rumor? The answer is never. So that's a bunch of BS, Justin. Two, there's a mute button. Why don't you just mute the ones you don't want to see? Or better yet, you can delete the app 
and sign back on when vacation's over if that's what you choose. Three, I want the TVs turned off. I'm tired of hearing about the Bears quarterback spot. Mitchell David Trubisky, 2019. How is that any different than this guy saying, I just want, I just want it to be over. I'm tired of the rumors, Caleb, Justin, Justin, Caleb. Why don't you just keep your mouth quiet and just get off the grid, man? Well, I'd like to respond to that quickly. Go ahead, Kaplan. Why don't you just shut your mouth and get off the grid? That's kind of where I'm at. Like, how is it any different for you to get on your platform and express your feelings about Justin? It's no different for Justin doing the same thing. A couple things I want to point out really quickly, and I'll let you take over from there, Jeff. But first of all, Justin Fields' generation, they live on social media. He's not just going to turn off his phone when he's on vacation, turn his social media off. That's just not today's day and age. That's not what they do. So, and let's face reality, how hard would it be for you to sit there and just mute, 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 mute all the way down? He's probably got so many people on his timeline. I mean, that's just that's just life. You're asking so he's a lot. he's communicating with his friends and family most likely right. that he doesn't live nearby. Right. And, you know, you want to see those different things. Like, sure. So, first of all, before I even get into some of the things he said, there is, I, I have listened to Kaplan in the past. And I've never once, um, for one, he's he's nutty. Like, let's just face it out. He takes everything, the smallest bit of anything, and blows it up into this massive, huge thing that it's not. And he's also the type, he has zero faith in the Bears organization to begin with, and everything is basically hell to him. Like, it's it's none of it's ever going to work out, and it, this and that, and this and that. Never giving anybody the opportunity. Everything's always a failure for him. So he's going to do it. And he's also the kind of guy that says, well, we need to sign this guy, this guy, this guy, trade for this guy, this guy, this guy. Basically try to do so many unrealistic things. Nothing that he says to me has any merit or value. He's always talking about how, well, my source here and my source here. Dude, you have no sources. Those sources that you're talking about are giving you false information. When have we ever heard anything reported from David Kaplan that ever came to reality. Does anybody know of a situation? Because I do not. He's like this with the Bears. I'm not a Bulls fan, personally. I watched Jordan in the 90s, of course, because I grew up near there. But even then, with he's the same way with the Bulls. Like, there's no, this man has no slowdown. And literally, weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago, before we found out we had the number one pick, he was all in on Justin Fields. This guy is literally, if you don't know this already, which I'm sure most of you do, David Kaplan just wants clicks. He just wants people to be invested in what he's driving, the narrative that he's driving. I take nothing that David Kaplan says with any merit, and I could ever, I could care less if I ever saw anything from him on podcasts, radio, etc. Okay, so... <clears throat> I'll try to keep this kind of short. So first of all, Billy Ocean is in the chat here mentioning that David Kaplan is a lame and an attention horn. I just want to say, Billy, can you sing us Caribbean Queen while you're here? That yeah. is such a great song, and I would love yeah. to hear it since you're here right now. But in any case, um, you might want to explain. Of, Billy Ocean is the singer of Caribbean Queen. Obviously. So anyways, to kind of get on to this David Kaplan thing a little bit here. Um, so... In my opinion, 
And this is from, I don't watch a ton of this guy because anytime I've ever seen David Kaplan go on about a, a take, it's like super negative And he just like rants away. And he's a very angry individual when he gets going about this stuff. And it's just like, dude, he seems like the kind of person who's kind of a know-it-all and like he would make all the right decisions and anybody else that does things doesn't know what's going on. So well, that's before, just kind before of, you go on, I want to point some out really quick. I'm sorry to interrupt, but if you guys haven't seen, he has his own podcast on YouTube as well. Um, and he has a, an episode a week with um, Tom Waddle and Olin Krutz. And if you realize, and if you notice, he only has people on there who agree with his narrative. He's never had other players or other people come on that disagree with what he's saying. It's only people that agree that Justin Fields has to go. That's just what he does. So I just want to point that out really quickly that, you know, that he's not going to feed into anything other than his own narrative. Okay. So anyway, so it, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't really, like I said, I'm not a huge, I don't watch a ton of Kaplan and anytime I see anything, it's usually from other people on Twitter, like reposting his stuff and talking about the things he's done. And I have seen like clips of like his rants and stuff. And they're usually, like I said, they're usually negative. They're usually anger filled and they're, they don't usually have a lot of merit to them in my opinion. Um, at least particularly in this case right now. Um, so I just feel like, like Tim said, he's not going to just like delete Instagram. So, and I'm not this whole, in my opinion, this whole social media thing, paying all this attention to who he's following and unfollowing and all this stuff going on with that is to me is just like, number one, it's kind of childish. And number two, it's just like, dude, it's not going to give you any answers to anything. It's not going to lead you in any direction what's going on. Because like I said, I honestly believe, and I, I don't see how they could make a decision in any other way, that they're going to find out more about these people with the top 50, the top 30 visits and the combine interviews. They have to do that before they can make a decision on this, in my opinion. You have to. I don't see how you can make that decision unless you know more about these people. Let's say one of them blows you away. Let's say one of them gives you the opposite of what you were expecting kind of thing. You never know. So I don't think this decision can be made. And you can't lean to an Instagram follower or unfollow to say that the decision has been made or not. I think that's kind of, I don't, I don't think that's, that that can be looked at that way. So that, you know, I just feel like, Kaplan in this particular case wants to drive his, he kind of wants to drive his narrative that fields is out the door. There's no way he can't be. And I feel like that's kind of the, the case with a lot of people who are on the side of, we got to bring in Caleb Williams and move on from Justin. They have a tendency to like, if you even suggest that it's possible that the bears could keep Justin Fields, there's, it's just like, you're totally wrong. There's no possible way it's not going to happen. And I just, I don't agree with that. I think that that decision has not been made yet one way or the other. I don't even know if they're leaning one way or another. They might be based on the film. They probably are. I shouldn't say that. But I, I, again, I still feel like they have to go through this whole process of finding more out about these people before they make this decision. So that's kind of what I feel like with, with Cap. I, he just, he's very negative and I feel like you have to take everything he says with a grain of salt. So that that's kind of my take on that part. Well, um, I, I think he's really negative, especially in this scenario, because I think he knows that he's wrong. I think he I think he has a feeling if you listen to the coach, like if there's no other telling argument, the coaches clearly want Justin Fields to remain the quarterback. That's the way I that's the way I've seen it so far. That's the way it sounds to me. 
So I feel like Cap kind of feels like he's probably wrong about the situation. And so it just makes him angry because he wants Caleb Williams and he doesn't think they are going to go in that direction. But of course, he's trying to speak it into existence. So I don't know. I just, I don't listen to anything he says because like I said, I don't find any merit in it. So, well, you know, I just, like I said, you know, it's, I like, I think you got to just take it with a grain of salt. You can't really look too much into it. And whenever people start, like I said, whenever people start getting real negative and really angry about stuff, it's because usually because they just are in disbelief that anybody else could have another take. And to me, it's just like, dude, that's, that's the world we live in. Nobody's going to agree with everything you have to say. That's just how it is. You know, and there are sides to both of this and there are arguments to both sides here. So again, I personally don't think a decision has been made. And anybody who goes on ranting about it like that is just angry for no reason. So that's my take on that. And I don't want to really go too much further into that part. But um, that being said with that, um, let's kind of segue a little bit because we got some other stuff here to get well, into. Let's tra- really quick, let's transition to So if you haven't seen this yet, yeah. Mike Florio also spoke on the situation. Yeah, I almost forgot about that. Yeah, so it's actually kind of a polar opposite of what um, David Kaplan's feeling is. So Aldo actually has a clip of this. Let's go ahead and play the clip and then discuss it after. What do you think the timing is, though, on when they're going to make their decision if Justin Fields does have to get traded? Does that have to happen by new league year? What, what What's your two cents on that, Mike? When I saw Albert Breer's report from Monday that – the Bears expect to have their plan in place next week at the scouting combine. My first thought was, does that mean they're trading the first overall pick? Because how can you have a final plan in place that you're going to trade Justin Fields and take Caleb Williams, if that's who they would take, until you've done all of your proper due diligence on which of the quarterbacks you would take with that first overall pick? It made me think that they're hoping to set up something like they did last year where they trade that number one overall pick and get a lot in return, possibly a first round pick next year that becomes the number one overall pick again, like last year's did. And that may just be my bias because I think they should keep Justin Fields. I think that they should see what his ceiling is and they should take that, that huge lottery ticket that is the first overall pick and turn it into as many players as possible. Because Rich, we know there's no guarantee that any draft pick is going to pan out. Okay, so here's so obviously that's kind of like the opposite end of the spectrum. He thinks that it's more of a sign that the Bears are going to stick with Fields and move on because they want to have that plan in place. I don't necessarily agree with that, guys, because, again, it's the same thing I just said to you guys. They have got to get to know these other players more as a person. Once they get to the combine, those top 30 visits, they're going to get to know these people a lot more. And it's going to make them decide whether or not they've fallen in love with that player and that person. Now, the tape is going to say a lot about the way they want to go towards, about the people that they like, the players that they like, I should say. But again, I feel like this regime has shown time and time again that that person is very important. So in my opinion here, I think there is obviously planning going on in a lot of different scenarios. I feel like they're planning for a lot of different things and how they could happen. Okay, and probably much more so this year than in other years, because there's a couple different ways that they could really go a couple um, big decisions they can make as far as quarterback. So with that being said, it, it could really it could really make their decisions go one way or the other. And I think at the combine, this is my opinion. I think as we get closer to the combine and following the combine, we're going to know much, much more 
And the, the, the smoke that starts to come out of the combine is going to be a much, much better indicator of what is going to happen. Last year, the Bears made the trade four days after the combine was done. If I'm not mistaken, it was March 10th. And I believe it was four days after the combine was finished. So they obviously had time there that they were in discussions with these other te- with these other teams. And we knew that because there was smoke reports about that happening. So in my opinion, what we see happening, what we see the smoke that, that comes out at that time during the combine is going to give us a much better idea of what's going to happen. So everything that we've seen to this point, I feel like is mostly opinion, hearsay, speculation. I don't think there's a lot of fact on any of this stuff. I think we real, like I said, I think we have to wait until those meetings to really see what they're going to do and really have a better idea of what they're going to do is what I should say. Tim. Well, well, I was going to say that I agree with Mike Florio in the sense that if indeed that's true, that that, that reporting from Albert Breer is true, then yes, I would agree because they probably do. If they've are, if they're already saying that they're going to have their decision by the combine, then yeah. I mean, at that point, the only thing you still need to do is, is meet with the recruits to begin with, or the, not the recruits meet with the, the prospects to begin with. So to me, I don't know, honestly, I I'm not really in the mindset that Albert Breer is actually correct in his reporting, because let's face reality. He's actually reported a lot of things about the bears since Ryan Poles has taken over. And there's almost nothing that's come out that's ever been accurate with the Bears since Ryan Poles has been um, the GM. Other than I don't when know that that's necessarily true, but let me let me just let me say something real quick. I don't know if that's necessarily true, but what I will say is it's important to pay attention to what the different reporters are reporting. Like guys like Schefter and Pelissero and and Breer, like you're talking about, if they actually report something like say breaking sources, blah, 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 this is happening, then it's probably going to happen. But if it's something like, you know, I'm hearing this, I feel this, that kind of, like I said, guys, it's all speculation based on what they're hearing from other people. It's not a true report. So we have to pay attention to those things. It's, it's an important distinction. And once reports come out of they're doing this or they're talking to these people, that is something you want to keep an eye on because that's that is going to be important. And again, the closer we get to the combine, especially during the days of the combine, I'm going to be paying very, very, very close attention to the reports that are coming out about what the Bears are doing, looking at, talking to all of that. Well, honestly, that's what I was getting at, more or less, is that. I'm talking about things that are reported. Those have been the things that are accurate. I'm talking about things where you hear, I'm hearing rumblings of this, or I'm hearing this. I'm not sure in that if that was a report from Albert Breer, or if that's what he was telling them he was hearing. That's why I'm not so sure in general. But if he is reporting that, I would say there's probably some merit to that. And in that case, then yes, I would agree that that probably is the plan. My thought in this situation, in this process is once they have conversations with Caleb Williams and they meet or not just Caleb Williams, but any of these quarterbacks to me, it's everything is now based on that because they've seen the tape. They know what they have on the field. They've already compared Justin Fields with these other quarterbacks play on the field. The decision now is strictly in the meetings with these players. So in my opinion, 
I do think that a decision will be made quickly after the combine because they've had a chance to meet with the players, find out a little bit about the character. The, the workouts and stuff don't matter. They know exactly what these guys can do. They've seen the tape. The tape is the is more of the end-all, be-all of the Italian evaluation. So to me, this decision is going to come up on us quick. And if we see a decision quickly, we know what direction they're going. But my thought is, to me, this is just me, you know, they would have to find a significant gap in play from Justin to the other quarterbacks for them to decide to do that. So, you know, I agree. I think it is pretty close. We are pretty close to seeing this happen or not. I shouldn't agree. I'm agreeing with myself. I do think that this situation is coming up on us quickly. I think the combine is going to be the domino effect. And then obviously free agency and things like that. I think this is a big opportunity here to find out exactly what's going on. Speaking of the combine, um, <clears throat> just a quick point I want to make here about this guys is once the combine comes around, um, I really want us on the show to kind of dig into some of the position groups, specifically the ones that we feel like are bears needs and show you guys some of the players that we feel like are possibilities in the draft for the bears, as far as like being fits. Um, and I do kind of want to do some breakdowns on those guys, like most likely after the combine, as we get closer to the draft. Um, and the reason I even mentioned the combine is, uh, there's a unapologetic in here in the chat says he's actually going to the combine. And it actually reminds me of a story here. And he actually brings up here that he's from California. He's here for the combine. I'm actually in California myself on apologetic now. So that's, that's pretty interesting. Tim and I are from South Bend area. If you guys are familiar with the show, but Combine being in Indianapolis, it's like a three-hour drive from there, maybe two and a half, depending on how bad the traffic is. It's an but, hour um, from me now. I yeah, an hour it's an hour from Tim where he's at. He's in Terre Haute, Indiana now. But in any case, the, uh, I wanted to kind of tell you guys a little story real quick before we continue on with some of this other stuff. Oh, yeah. so when I was uh, when I was down in Indy one year, the Combine was going on. The reason I was he, down there is because – he Were he you there was, with us? Tim, I, was the there. I was okay. there. Okay, so Tim was there. I didn't realize this. Okay, so anyhow, so one year, Tim and I and our family and like a bunch of members, uh, other people that we know associated to wrestling, were down at the Indiana High School Wrestling State Finals one year in Indianapolis. And it used to be held at um, the place where the Pacers play. It used to be called Banker's Life. I think it's called Gamebridge Fieldhouse now or something like that. Yes. Anyways, um, the state finals are being held that year down there. And it was Friday or Saturday night. We uh, stopped to get dinner after, I think it was Friday night after the wrestling matches that night, we stopped at steak and shake to get dinner. And, you know, as we're walking by, we, we see we're passing St. Elmo's and you look inside and you can actually see some like different, there's a lot of people in there and you can see some NFL faces. Matter of fact, I believe Rob Ryan was in there. It was Rob Ryan. Yeah, it was Rob Ryan. So Rob Ryan was in there and we saw some other people like that, but, um, that's where you would kind of expect people like that to go at the combine is eat at a really nice restaurant like St. Elmo's Steakhouse. But Tim and I and our family were at Steak and Shake. And as we're sitting there eating our dinner, in walks this contingent of Chiefs personnel. And one of them is Andy Reid. And I'm, at the time, this was before this was before uh, Matt Nagy had left the Chiefs to come to Chicago. So I would not be surprised if he was one of the people that was there. We just didn't recognize him at the time right. because he wasn't as well known. But Andy Reid and his staff was there at Steak and Shake, sure enough, sitting literally right next to us at the table, right next to us, having their food. And it was really kind of 
it was it was kind of interesting. I was tempted to like ask for autographs and stuff, but I'm sure these guys have gotten so much so, of it already. Funny so. story about that though. Our waitress um didn't have a phone or didn't have her phone with her. So she asked me, she's like, Hey, can I use your phone? Will you take a picture of me with Andy Reed? And I was like, sure. So she goes and gets a picture with I take the picture of her and Andy Reed. And she's like, Can you text that to me? And I was like, sure. I should have saved the picture. I should have asked Andy for a picture myself, but I, I didn't want to be that person. But that was actually pretty cool that we were there. I could not believe that we were literally, you know, seven feet from Andy Reid and the Chiefs table. And, you know, just like normal people sitting there eating a double steak burger and fries. But it was pretty cool. It was a pretty – I forgot – I actually forgot about that story. I'm glad you mentioned that to everybody. Yeah. So I thought I just thought that was really interesting. I thought you guys might want to hear that story because it was pretty cool. Was Andy wearing a bib? Not quite. I, I, but... I think he was. I really, well, I really, think, was he really? Was. I'm not sure. I think so. I'm I think you would have remembered that, but oh man, <laughs> that is pretty I'm funny. Pretty but sure. yeah, sure as shit, guys. No, really, he was sitting right next to his table, right? Now, and there was probably hell. There had to be seven, eight, maybe nine of them there. Yeah, there were several oh, of them. Huge contingent of them. It's like man, sitting right there, steak and shake. You know, eating not at some fancy restaurant, but. Steak might have been there with them. I don't. I don't know because I didn't. I didn't even think about that. No. Yeah, maybe, maybe. So that was pretty interesting. I thought it was kind of funny, but so speaking of that, um, we should probably get into some of these other topics that we've got here to talk about. And um, I think it's pretty important. So, okay, before I get into one of these other topics, I want to make a quick statement about that Kaplan interview again, real quick, because I didn't. I didn't say what I wanted to say about this earlier and I meant to. So Kaplan called Fields a coward in that interview. And that really kind of bothered me because first of all, in what world has Justin ever shown the city of Chicago through the adversity he's been through and everything else on the field, the hits he's taken, even at Ohio state when he broke his rib in that semifinal game, how, and in, in what way has he shown that he is, a coward. Okay. This man is tough as nails. Okay. And if he chose to unfollow the bears and the NFL on social media, because he doesn't want to see what's going on, that's his choice. And he's trying to get away from it for a little while. I think that's totally fine. And I don't think it makes him a coward. And I think it's pretty ridiculous for a grown man to call another grown man a coward, especially considering the fact that one of them is David Kaplan and one of them is Justin Fields. And I don't think if they were standing, let's just say if they were standing in a ring together, I would not take David Kaplan. Okay. So don't be calling another man like that a coward when it's like, it just is kind of ironic to me, you know? So anyways, I just wanted well, to say to you guys real quick. Go ahead, Tim. I'm, I, I'm, I wasn't going to say anything to add to that because I was trying to keep myself from saying this, but it, it really did bother me that he called him a coward. You know, a guy that, basically was getting killed on the football field without getting any calls from officials for it. Never got a single flag all season. A guy who's literally putting his life on the line on the field for an organization that if it didn't exist, you wouldn't even have a freaking job, David Kaplan. That bothers me. That bothers me a lot that he would say he would call him a coward or basically imply that he is cowardly. There has been nothing about Justin Fields that even shows him being a coward. Whether or not you like Justin Fields or not, that is a, calling him a coward is a cowardly is a cowardly way out of a conversation. Well, I, Cliff makes a little comment here, and I'm a little old school, so I agree with you, Cliff, here on this. And I'm not one to like start things with people, but I totally agree with you on this. 
You only call another man a coward if they're standing right in front of you and you're ready for them to fight. I feel, and I, I, you know, you if the way you word it is a little differently than the way I would have, but I agree. If you're going to call another man a coward, you better be ready to do it with them standing right in front of you. Otherwise, I feel like you're the coward. The one who's the coward is the one who's afraid to say something in front of another man. That's my opinion. So, you know, say it on the airs. That's on the airwaves. That's fine. But if he was right in front of you, I promise you, he would not call him a coward. So, that's just take that for what it's worth. But. Let's move on because we've kind of been on this a little bit here. Um, unapologetic truth says Waldron wants fields. We're going to get into the coaching hires in a minute here. I do want to go get into that. I want to spend some time on that because there's a lot of stuff that happened that was said in these um, in the press conference, specifically by Eberflus, that I want to dig into a little bit. Um, but I do want to talk a little bit about some other things before we get into that. Uh, notably, I see a lot of you guys talking about Jalen Johnson needing to be extended. Tim mentioned at the top of the show that there's a huge rise in the salary cap. It jumped higher than anybody was expecting it to. There's some pros and cons to that. Um, yeah. Aldo has on the screen here, the NFLPA announces that the record salary cap this year is 255 and almost a half million, 255.4 million per club. So it's a large number. It's good for those teams that were tight on cap space. That's the one bad thing for the bears in this, in this case, in my opinion, there's actually two bad things in the bears case here. Number one is that, it gives to me, it gives JJ a little bit more, um, a little bit more of an argument in his case because there's more cap money to spend now. But also, it, it hurts them because if there's other teams that other players are preferable to, maybe that team can give a little bit more money now than they were able to before. And it kind of gets in the way of the Bears' chance to sign that player. So, but there's good things about it too that fact that they have more money to spend now. So if it does be the case where JJ commands more than they were wanting him to or expected him to, maybe they can pay that now and feel a little more comfortable with it. Maybe they're Greg Gabriel talks a lot about on his show, how the bears have a number with certain players, or I should say a certain number with players that they don't want to go over. And I'm sure they've got a set number for Jalen that they've had in their minds for quite some time. And maybe this, this cap jump pushes that a little bit higher. Maybe they're willing to spend a little bit more on him now because of that especially considering the season he had. If he reset the market, I don't think it would be as much of a surprise now. So um, the, the, the question I have is, are the Bears losing some losing some of their leverage here with all this, with the jump in the salary cap with Jalen Johnson? The fact they didn't sign him earlier, the fact that he's been talking recently about how he does want to be the highest paid corner in the game now, which was the opposite of what he was saying during the season. So I feel like this – it could go in a multitude of ways. I do feel like the good thing about this cap space is I feel like the bears are going to have a better opportunity to sign their own players now, more so than the free agents that are out there. I think it's more important to have the money to spend on your, your guys when they get there or when you're, when it's time to extend them, I should say to than it is to like sign free agent because they've already been in the building. You know what they are. And those are the guys you want to extend anyways. And, and, um, Give I can't think of the word I'm looking for, but you appreciate them in essence. So badass Warhog says he thinks the Bears will use the franchise tag on him, and I would not be surprised in that. But the reason that I want to say that it might not happen that way is because we're coming up on a deadline here. There's very close. I think it's March. No, not March. I think it's coming up here in a few days, if I'm not mistaken. Um, the 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 deadline to end the to, to franchise tag guys. It started a few days back, but I believe the tag deadline is coming up soon. 
So they don't have a lot of time here uh, to get that done. So either they are going to tag him at that point or they're going to pay him. Foster says 17 or 18 million for the tag. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what the number is, it's, but I if they do expand it, it's 17. And quickly yeah. just to point out, um, Foster makes a comment here, uh, minus 15 to 16 million for the draft. That actually is with the draft money allocated. They're actually $83 million in cap space. It's projecting that money. Um, that's subtracting that draft money already when they say projected $68 million. So well, that that's another thing to keep in mind too, guys, is that projection too is going to change because I promise you, Poles is going to move around in the draft. That's what he does. So chances are those numbers are going to change one way or another. They could lower, they could, they could raise. But I, I would not set in stone those numbers as projected salaries for these players because I would pro- I would assume that they're going to move around a little bit. So that being said, they're they're gonna they are still going to keep room for their draft class to make sure they can sign those guys. So I would not say I would not expect them to sign like a bunch of huge contracts in free agency, maybe one or two, kind of like they did last year. They signed Edmonds to that big deal. Two years ago, they tried to sign Ogan Joby to the big deal. That didn't work out. But I really feel like if maybe one deal like that, maybe two, but I really feel like they're going to do the same thing they did last year and sign like these little smaller pieces to kind of come in and rotate. Demarcus Walker signed like a, what was it, a three year deal, but it, what, it didn't pay much money. So those are March 5th is the deadline to franchise tag. Thanks, Alda, for putting that on there. But so it's, it's not a ton of time. Um, it's longer than I thought, but it, March 5th is a couple weeks away, not even a couple weeks. So that's not a ton of time. They're going to have to either decide to tag him or extend him in that time. Because if they don't extend him before that, now you're, you're kind of risking some things here, letting them hit the market and potentially in that case. So I feel like um, they will spend money in free agency. They will save money to, to allocate for their, their class certainly. Um, but I would not expect them to go on a spending spree. I feel like the money that they they're going to continue to save money over the years so that they can continue to re-sign their own guys that they draft. That's my personal opinion on that. What do you think, Tim? Yeah, I I personally think, especially looking at the NFL draft and, and players available and things, I do think that they're going to spend free agent money, but I don't think they're going to go crazy. I think they'll spend decently on two positions. My guess, one of them will be center. Um, I think they're also going to spend money on on offensive line depth, not necessarily starters, but I do think the center will be a starter. And then I think they're going to also draft somebody to um, groom into that starting role because center is probably the hardest position to come in and start off the bat of any position in the NFL because there's a lot that goes into that. Um, I think they will well, speaking probably – center, real quick, let me jump in real quick. Speaking of center – that is one of the most interesting aside of the quarterback thing here. That is one of the most interesting things that's going to happen to me this off season, because like Tim said, that is an awfully difficult position to get drafted and come in and be, because you're talking about, you have to know the assignments. You have to decide on the, the, the blocking protections. A lot of times that's your job. And to have a rookie come in and and be thrown all that stuff right away and expected to, to understand and, and, and have the team have success right away is asking a lot. I would not be surprised at all to see them spend that money on a veteran center, one that they feel like can come in and be a longer term option. I would also not be surprised to see them draft a center. It just depends on the guy. There's a couple centers in this draft that I like a lot 
There's a lot of them that are creep. There's a few of them that are creeping up draft boards because of how impressive they are and their flexibility, their versatility, I should say. Um, two of those guys are Zach Frazier and Graham Barton. I see both those guys moving way up boards. Mm-hmm. I personally really like Zach Frazier. Everybody mm-hmm. talks a lot about Jackson Powers Johnson. I'm, I really like him a lot too. Don't get me wrong. But Zach Frazier, uh, as we were just talking about, Tim and I have wrestling backgrounds, and he's a four-time state champion in high school. Only lost two two matches entire career, and they were both as a freshman. And if I had to guess, this is just my speculation. I was telling Tim this earlier. Both of those losses were probably to opponents out of state, if I had to guess. His team probably wrestled some team from another state who had a really top-flight program, and that kid was – they probably he probably wrestled either one guy or two guys that were out of state seniors who were really good and other state champions. So that's probably what those two losses were. But he's, you know, when you see a guy like that who's a really good wrestler, that's almost always a good thing as far as trench play because they understand wrestlers understand leverage and balance and they know how to get underneath guys and to not get extended. That's the most important thing. Wrestlers never get extended. Good wrestlers never get extended. And as an offensive lineman, I feel like that is a really good quality to have because you're not getting beat that way. If you're getting too far extended, unless you have like really long arms, which is a thing that the Bears look for, by the way, unless you have really long arms, it's awfully hard to stay latched onto a guy when he's getting around you. So I feel like that's one thing to me that is really important is having that leverage and being able to not get extended unless you know you're trying to push somebody away or push somebody out. You know what I mean? So you know, and that's just my opinion there with that. But I really do like Zach Frazier because of that. I think he could be a really good fit with the Bears because of his athleticism and the fact that he has that wrestling background and understands leverage and all that. So I would like that pick if they made it. Depends on where he went. I could see him going day two, early day two. There's people there saying he could even go in the first round now. So it just depends on what happens with the Bears, the kind of shuffling they do in the draft. And like, that's why I said – I'm really, really interested to see what they do with this center situation. It kind of ties in with the quarterback situation because if they move down from one, that opens up possibilities for them to maybe draft a center higher or to maybe draft another wide receiver higher or another edge higher or move down and get, you know, there's different possibilities there. They could move down from nine. There's a lot of things that could happen. I'm really, really interested to see what happens. And that's why I said, we should really pay more attention to what kind of smoke comes out at the, at the combine because that'll give us a better indication of which direction they're going with the quarterback, which will give us a better indication of which way they're going in free agency, which will give us a better indication of which way they're going in the draft. So that was just what I kind of, sorry to interrupt you, but that's what I wanted to say there. No, I would just say, certainly I think free agency will play the biggest role in, in what he does. And I feel like Ryan Poles has done a really good job every year of, between free agency and the draft of at least um, addressing each individual position of need. Some he hasn't done as well as others, but he has at least tried to address them with the one exception being the center position. Um, That's been one that still has not been met. And I do think um, you're going to have to refresh my memory. The center from Seattle um, this past year, free agent Brown. Brown, yes. Dwayne Brown, I think, is his name. Uh, I think it's Dwayne Brown, I believe. Dwayne Brown, I think you're right. Yeah. To me, that is one that I see as a as a more likelihood because a couple of reasons. Number one, um, 
he obviously has experience in um, Shane Waldron's scheme. He's it's a comfortability thing. He can walk right in right now, play center in this scheme and know all of the verbiage and everything that goes with it, how to play the position, all of those things. Then you can bring in that center like we were talking about in the draft that is obviously going to be the better player and is the better prospect, just needs to learn how to play the position in the NFL. To me, that would be the ultimate scenario of what you're looking for, and I think that is a very good possibility. I'm not one to link players to the Bears just because everybody always does and they're always wrong. The only one that actually was accurate was Yannick Ngakwe last offseason, and even then that took until, you know, the season was about to start for that to happen. That was just because we had such a lack of pass rusher. So to me, I see center being in a, a position they certainly address in free agency. I think there's a possibility they get a veteran wide receiver on a cheaper deal. Um, not somebody that's, you know, going to command a lot of money like the Mike Evans thing. People need to get over. That's not going to happen because I, I do believe they're going go to, to a contender if he left. Correct. I do believe that they're going to address the wide receiver in the draft a couple of times, if not three or four, I would say most likely two, depending on how many draft picks they get. Um, because we know that Ryan Poles is going to move down. Um, so I do think that's that's the biggest uh, position he probably addresses in the draft because it's a very, very deep wide receiver draft and a really good one. Um I think there's a good possibility that he invests in the defensive line in free agency. I don't think he's obviously going to spend money like he did on Montez Sweat. Another That's another one that people keep thinking he's going to sign somebody like Chase Young or something like that. I don't see that happening um, unless it's a team-friendly deal. But I do think they will look for another veteran in there that they can sign. Again, there, it's not a very deep draft, but there's some really good players in the top two rounds that are pass rushers. I think that would be good. Um, there's, there's a few for sure, uh, positions that I do see them addressing, but I don't think they're going to spend a whole lot of money in free agency because I do believe that they're going to re-sign Jalen Johnson. I do believe that. And I have, a if I'm right, and I hope that I'm right, they're probably going to have to pay a quarterback. That's my hope. So they have to make sure they have enough money for that. Uh, even if they decide not to do the fifth year option, if they do the fifth year option, you're looking at, I believe it's 25 or $26 million. So that's, you know, that's a big chunk of your cap. There it is right here. Uh, all those got on screen. It's $25.6 million. So I don't think they're going to spend a whole lot of money. Even if they don't exercise that option, they don't stay with fields. There's still a lot of players or that's, there's still not that much money to really jump and sign some big time players. It, they're going to need a lot more pieces. I think they need depth more than anything. So I, I see a lot of offensive line coming this team's way between free agency and draft. Um, I do. To me, in my opinion, this is just my opinion. In the draft, I really feel like they're going to focus early on wide receiver, um, pass rush, edge, um, center, and safety. I believe all of those things will be addressed in the draft. There's some comments in here that I don't know if I can I, read. I haven't been reading it. Yeah, out, but. but anyways, we we're talking about somebody. They're talking about how I look like somebody in there, and I mentioned how I cut my own hair in the comments. <laughs> Aldo makes a comment that I'm not going to read, just because I don't know if I can. Well, I'm going to read it because he's putting it on the screen. Screw it. He says I cut my pubic hair, which is why my underwear has blood stains. <laughs> but it's kind of unfortunate. I'm sure it's a little painful, but. 
Hey, go watch Bears, go me. watch Bears now on Chat Sports. Manscaped is a sponsor for them, Aldo. They'll be happy to hook you up with the, <laughs> yeah, with the lawnmower 5.0 or 27.0 or whatever it is yeah. now. Yeah. They'll be able to help you out. So, anyways, to kind of get back on track here. Um, yeah, I mean, I as far as I'm just I'm kind of I kind of got thrown off now, but you guys are all talking about the draft here and like directions they could go. And uh eventually, probably after the combine, Tim and I will start, like I said, we're gonna start digging into like breakdowns. We'll probably do a couple mock drafts for you guys that give you an idea of what, what direction we think the Bears might go. But I don't want to do it until after free agency because I want to see what the Bears do, what the Bears who they actually get before determining what their needs are in the draft. Because to kind of give you an example of why I want to do that. So last year, for instance, guys, um, the Bears were trying to sign McGlinchey. And as I said earlier, uh, the Bears do have like a number that they they don't want to go above. And once McGlinchey's number got above that, Greg Gabriel has talked about this many times on his show. Once they got above that number, he wasn't willing to keep going. He wasn't willing to continue negotiating. He wasn't going to go higher than that. So Right tackle at that point became a need because they weren't able to address it in free agency. And what happened? They used their first round pick to take Darnell Wright, and it's worked out pretty well for him. So, could they sign big money edge in free agency? Maybe, but I've said this before on the show. Typically, guys, big time edge rushers don't hit the free hit the open market. Some of these guys that are potentially going to hit the market, like Daniel Hunter. I don't see a way that the, he doesn't find a way to get a deal done with Minnesota and these other, some of these other guys too. Like, I just don't see their teams letting them go there. I just see them finding a way to make it work. So I, I really don't see the bears having a ton of great options there as far as, as far as edge rush. Okay. So I could see them signing, signing a center. Definitely. I could see them signing a wide receiver. They do need an X. We've talked about that at length here. Um, I see a lot of you guys talking about neighbors in the chat neighbors as a, fantastic player. I would like to have him. I don't feel like he fills the need as well as a guy like Marvin Harrison does, because that's a true X. Now we're talking or about Madunze. or a Dunze, same thing. I feel like he fills the need a little bit better, but I, I mean, neighbors is a better player than a Dunze in my sure. opinion. So but anyways, you know, as far as I see is a lot of you guys talking about here too, moving down, taking MHJ. And I've talked about that on the show here too. That's like kind of my dream scenario. And speaking of dreams, I want to tell you guys something kind of funny real quick too. I was just telling Tim this earlier don't, this morning. Don't, don't do it. Don't do it. You're going to jinx it's, it. It's just a dream. It doesn't don't mean it's do going it. to happen. Nah, don't do it. You'll jinx it. Fine. I guess I won't. But anyways, I was I had a, yeah. I had an interesting dream that something happened last night, draft related, and I was going to share it with you guys, but I guess Tim won't let me because – it was just a dream. It doesn't mean it's going to happen. So anyways, um, so that being said, I feel like that is a possibility. I would like to see that happen. But again, guys, once the combine comes around here, we're going to find out more information. We're going to see which direction they might go. And I think that's when we can really have a better idea of what's going to happen. Um, but that being said, we have a lot of time to talk about the draft coming up here. We don't have a ton of time left, and I want to spend a decent amount of time on this coaching staff stuff that's been going on here. New, new coaching. We got a new coaching staff. And before I, before actually, before I get into that, real quick, there's a couple of comments in here about who is the bigger brother or who is the big brother, and technically Tim is by 
age, he's eight minutes older than me, but I've always been technically the quote unquote bigger brother in size. I've always been a little bit taller and about five to 10 pounds heavier throughout our entire lives. I probably got about 15 pounds on you now, but in any case, um, Tim is older, eight minutes older than me. Um, there's a story that I like to tell oh, here we uh, go. to people that happen. And I think, I think our uncle made this story up when we were little, but I talk about it cause it's kind of funny. The way that this happened, the reason that Tim is actually older than me, guys, and eight minutes older is because I was getting ready to come out. I was getting ready to be born. I saw the light. I was getting ready to go. And I feel this tap on my back. And I turn around and I get immediately clocked. Not expected. Didn't Not like it would hurt or anything. It didn't even brush me back. But I wasn't expecting it. Next thing I know, I look forward and Tim is sprinting out the door. There he goes. He's gone. So I had to sit there for eight minutes in disbelief. And I could not believe that that actually happened that somehow or another Tim got the best of me for once in his life. But guess what? Never happened since. So I think we're good to go here. Uh, just thought you guys might want to hear that story because that's kind of what happened. But yeah, uh, there's a comment, but there's some comments about sperm count in here. I don't want to get into that, but yeah, Tim does have multiple children. He's got four and I don't have any. And there's, we can say there's reasons behind all that, but I don't really want to get into all that. Right yeah, now. we can definitely say those reasons, can't we? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, you're making it sound like it's something that it's not right now. You had no problem. <laughs> going, you had no problem just now talking about your little journeying through the sperm pod and not being the firstborn and all. Yeah, of but you're things. you're making some kind of implication, like I like I can't use it. Or something. <laughs> well, I don't maybe like that. You do? Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> Ah, this is a funny show today, guys. But anyways, so um, let's get into this. Uh, let's get into this coaching staff thing because we don't have a ton of time. But so anyways, uh, as you guys know, there was a press conference. I believe it was yesterday, if I'm not mistaken. Eberflus, Waldron and uh, Eric Washington, all the new the two new coordinators uh, came up and, and let their let the media talk to them. And Flus made some comments that I wanted to discuss um that are kind of important here that i felt uh, so first of all a couple of key important points that i want to mention before i go into my eberflus comments so the bears if you haven't heard hired the first for the first time ever they hired a female assistant coach they've never had one before her name's jennifer king she came over from washington she's a very very highly respected coach she was actually a player um and so she, from what has been talked about she knows a lot about the game and she, like I said, she's a very respected coach in the league. And so they were talking about how they're very excited to have her on staff here. So I think it's a, it's just a big moment for the city to have finally, you know, for the first time, a, a female coach on the staff because it has happened with other with other teams. And Chicago, I feel like, is, is one of those teams, if they're not groundbreaking, they're usually one of the first to do something. So it's good that they that they finally got on board with that. I have, to give, it is props. I have to give them props for being a progressive organization. I do yes. have to than that so also another thing that happened uh chris morgan the offensive line coach was uh was uh, promoted to run game coordinator so now thomas brown comes in as the pass game coordinator and chris morgan will take over as the run game coordinator i think we talked about on the show before that i kind of anticipated that happening and sure enough it has um so i wanted to give you guys that little piece but some important qualities that I I've written down here that Flus mentioned in his press conference when he was looking at uh, looking into new hires for offensive and defensive coordinator. 
the words that he used were creative and curious and that he was looking for, and this was, I think this was in particular about the offensive staff. He was looking for someone who can make the scheme go with the skill set we have. And that kind of rung a bell to me because we've all been talking about for the past year that we did not feel like Getze played to the offensive strengths very well. I mean, Darnell Mooney totally regressed from his thousand yard season. He's basically disappeared in this offense. And you can obviously make the argument that Justin Fields hasn't played very well, potentially partially, at least partially because of not very good coaching. So Hey, you can Jeff, make Argo actually has the clip of this. Let's go ahead and watch yeah, the clip, and, and then uh, we can um, debate it from there. Yeah. You know, and it's really about a few things that we talked about, and it's really about being creative. You know, you want to be creative, and you want to be curious, you know, to really make the scheme go and make it go with the skill set that we have. And that's important on offense and defense, and that's one of the things we talked about, and that's why these two men are sitting right here um, with us today about being adaptable. You got to be able to adapt. Um, you know, during the course of a season, you're going to have injuries at times. You're going to have different skill sets in there. Uh, in-game adaptability. You got to be able to have in-game tactics, and uh, that, that's an important part uh, during the process of hiring the coordinators. And obviously, being a leader, you got to be a dynamic leader to be able to lead these men on offense and defense. And uh, that's an important part as you stand in front of the room, and you got to be, uh, you know, dynamic that way. And then obviously, being a teacher, you know, we want to be prepared, and part of being prepared is having great teachers as coaches. And we want to do that with our players. And you guys have heard me say this a bunch of times. And the last two things that I'm going to talk about are the most important thing: is the love of football. You know, you got to love the game. Just like we want our players to love the game, that's infectious. And if you love coming to work every single day, guess what? Your players are going to love coming to work every single day. And uh, the last but not least is the ability to partner. The partnership that you form uh, with your coaches and on your staff and the partnership that you form with your players is ultimately what gets it done in this league. And, uh, and our, our product that we put on the field is the players. And – we want our players to look the very best, our units to look the very best, and that's going to be winning football for the Chicago Bears. So that's what we're excited about. So to kind of break that down a little bit, like I said, guys, he was talking about creative and you know being creative and curious, making the scheme go with the personnel that they have. You know, he talks about being a leader, being a teacher. We've heard him say that before, and the love of football, just like the players, he says, it's it's, it's infectious, and you know. We keep, they keep talking about that. So, and that's an important piece to remember with anybody, like I said earlier, guys, that they bring in. Anybody they bring in is going to have to be somebody who has a deep love of the game of football and is willing to do those grinded out hours that most people aren't willing to do and love the game. So, I'm going to kind of give you an example here of something that happened in the baseball world recently that some of you may know about. A guy named Anthony Rendon is a very, very, very good baseball player. Uh, was made, came out in the public on, in a, with a report or something. I can't remember exactly how it happened, but he basically said that baseball is not a top priority for him, that his family and, and being around them and whatnot is, is his priority. And that's all well and good. That's fine. But to say that baseball is not a top priority took a lot of heat from people because then another former player named Jonathan Papelbon, who, who played for the Red Sox, came out and who has played with Rendon before basically came out and said, he's not a good teammate. This guy doesn't care about the game. And I knew he was going to be like that. So the reason I even bring all this up is because there is an importance to this love of the game and to this investment in the game. 
And the guys who care the most about it are the ones who have the most success for the most part. I mean, there's, there is a, a serious and real connection there. So to me, you got to find out if the guys you're going to bring in are going to be dedicated like that or are going to, and do love the game to that extent. Okay. And so when Flus mentions that he wants his coaches to be the same way, it is infectious. You think a player here and a coach say, man, you got to love the game. We're only looking and, and, and executives too doing the same thing when they're saying, man, I love, we want guys who come in and love the game. We want them who are going to grind it out. We want them who are going to, who are going to care so much that they do everything that they, that they can to be the best that they can be with, with football. They, they're great teammates and all these things. You, you can't have people saying all that. And then they're not doing that same thing. So you as a coaching staff are going to bring in new coaches. You're going to have to expect them to eat, breathe, sleep football too, because you're going to want your players to see that example being set so that they feel the pressure to do the same thing. At least that's what I'm seeing from this. And it's refreshing because it's a different, to me, it's a little bit of a different avenue than they've gone in the past. A lot of times they spend a little bit too much time, in my opinion, anyways, paying too much attention like X's and O's, scheme, and where this guy had a connection here. And to me, looking at this from a perspective of the important elements is like being able to teach these guys how to do their job to the best of their ability being a good motivator, a good mentor. And like I said, being a good example, those are things that are important to get the most out of these guys. So I like the hires and I like the way they spoke. Waldron talked about how he's looking for great effort, great toughness, and guys who work well together. Again, cohesion with your team. That's another thing. And when you, again, bring in guys in who fit well together, who mesh well together. And if you feel like one guy is not going to come in and be a great teammate, you just don't make that move regardless of what you're seeing on tape. You know, unless it's like in the later rounds or something, you can afford to take that chance. So again, guys, this is these, all these things come together full circle to me. And I feel like the kind of people the bears are looking for ring both true for the coaching staff and players they're bringing into the building. And all these things are important because like I said, I feel like the cohesion aspect and most of the, the great coaches will tell you, or most of the great players who have won Super Bowls and have won championships in other leagues will tell you that part of the reason they were so good is because they were so close with their teammates and everything was so important to them to, to, to work together and to overcome this stuff together. So that's why I say to you guys, again, anybody they bring in or choose not to bring in for that matter is going to be because of the fact that they either fit that criteria or did not. And it, obviously their tape is going to supplement that. But this this person aspect, this football character aspect is so much more important. And I feel like it's being given credit for both in the media and with fans and everyone else. Well, there's a couple of points I want to make, but to go along with that. Yeah, I mean, it's been clear and evident from day one that character has been it's 50% of their decision. He's even come out and said it's it's literally half of the evaluation. That's huge. You know, a lot of teams don't feel the same way. You know, the, the talent is obviously going to be more than half of the evaluation. Like, they, they're looking for guys who can play. But for the Bears, it's not just about how you play. Like, they want people who are going to love football. Like, that, when you're on the field, that is what is – so important. That is the number one thing in your life at that moment. And to me, 
it's one of I I'm I'm a huge fan of it because the way I look at it is if you look at players and they have long successful careers, those are the guys that live, breathe, and love football with everything in their in their heart. Like they love the sport of football. I feel like the guys who don't necessarily have the greatest football character but have unbelievable talent, yeah, they have a lot of success early on, but they don't always have long careers because they don't have the the they're not putting in the same um work and, and putting in as much time into football as they as they you know need to at that point in their career and that stage in their career because how old they are or they're they're getting older and they don't have they they're not their ability is not what it was at one time. I know I'm kind of like speaking all funky here, but my point is I think to have a long successful career, you have to love football. And so I think that's what they want guys that are going to have long careers and not just, you know, the three or four or five, six years, and then their careers completely fall off the cliff, you know, and it's, that's, that's my one big point to go along with you, but there's also a comment in here. I think it was unapologetic that said uh, shots were fired at Getzy in this, in this, in this presser. And I a hundred percent agree. If, if you just, even the way that Eberflus was speaking and how he was talking about the coaches that he brought in, you could hear it in his voice that, you know, number one, I want guys that are going to be creative and are going to adapt their off or adapt their scheme to the players. That, that was a big one. Number one thing he said, but number two, and look at his face. If you get a chance to watch the video again, look at his face when he's talking about um, how the coaches that he's bringing in, the players will love and respect and want to play for. It was clear as day that the players did not like Luke Getze. Like that well, is, you could if tell. You're asking people, if you're asking people to look at Eberflus's face during a press conference, all they're going to pay attention to is his new beard. So I right. wouldn't ask him to do that. But in any case, I think, I think that is kind of funny though. Speaking, I see you guys mentioned in the comments too, that Eberflus has that new look. He's got the fade going and he does have a beard. It's not quite as dark as mine. Obviously, it's gray, but I'm not sure it's quite as full as mine either. But in any case, it, it is a different look for him. And, you know, I see that a lot of you guys like it. You know, if the, if the, if the, the players like it or whatever, if, I guess it doesn't really matter what he looks like as long as he's bringing in the right guys to coach. So, and well, I feel like that that is kind of the direction they're going. I want to finish my point, though, really quick. I, I you like I said, you can see it in his face. And that's the thing I want to get at, like. The players, number one, and I'm okay. I'm going to go on a small tangent here really quick. I shouldn't say really quick. I'm a long-winded individual, but I coach high school wrestling. I'm the head coach at West Vigo high school here in um, where I live here in Terre Haute. It's actually in West Terre Haute. But when you're coaching people, adults, youth, high school, whatever you're coaching, I've always had this mentality that, Yes, the technique and fundamentals are important, but they're not the biggest part of the battle. The biggest part of the battle is you have to get your athletes to want to battle for you, not just want to go out there and play for you, not just go out there and want to wrestle for you, but they want to have to battle for you, like give everything they have and to a point win for themselves, but also win for their coach. 
because that is what gets the most out of your athletes is having getting to the point where they buy in and then the success starts. You have to get them to want to not play or, or wrestle or whatever the sport is for you, but to battle for you. You have to get them to want to give everything they have in that moment for you. And it's not, it's not a selfish concept. They don't mean it that way. I know it kind of sounds that way. But the point is, that's where you get the most out of them. That is when the success really starts to happen. Because now they don't want, it's, and it's not even that they don't want to let you down, although that is part of it. You're, you're getting them where they have the most fuel to just throw at the fire. And that is a big, huge part of coaching. And if the players didn't care for Luke Getze, which was obvious and evident, if they didn't want to play for him or they didn't really care for him, or excuse me, if they didn't really care for him, they didn't really want to play for him. They're not going to play as hard for him. You know, they, they may no. be like, this round I'm is not stupid. I don't want to do, I'm not going to give 100%. Not saying the players didn't play I don't play know that I agree with you, though, did. that they, I don't know that I even agree with you that they weren't, that they weren't, they weren't all big fans. I'm sure they weren't all like, great you know i'm sure they didn't all love everything he did but i i don't i wouldn't even necessarily say that they'd like turned on him and they didn't want him there or anything like I'm that, not saying that i'm not saying they turned on him i'm certainly not saying that i'm just saying that you can tell just listen to the defensive players when when people were asking are you happy that flus was retained yeah i love flus i love playing for this guy even the offense players i love eber flus i love playing for this guy the way he's galvanized this unit when all things weren't haywire and we started falling apart a little bit. He kept the unit galvanized and, and yada, 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 yada. You ask about Luke Getze. Uh, yeah, uh, we just got to trust in the offense and we and we got to trust in each other and we've got to play hard. We've got to execute in situations. There's no energy at all. Nobody's saying, man, I'm so glad that we have Luke Getze as our offensive coordinator. He's a fantastic guy. He really galvanizes you. You didn't hear those things. And that's my point is they weren't, I'm not saying that players weren't playing hard, but you don't necessarily get that extra bit of oomph that you did for Matt Eberflus that you are for Luke Getze because they don't feel the same way about him. And I think that that's a lot of the reason why he was gone because it was after the exit interviews, all of a sudden it was time. He was done. All right. So real quick, there's a couple comments in here I want to address. So first one was that, um, I believe it was Warthog mentioned that his concern with, with fields or not fields. I'm sorry, with Williams is his maturity mm -hmm. and that the in-person interviews will help and they, they will. And that's what I keep saying guys is that, you know, you have to sit in front of this guy and talk to him and see how he operates. You have to see how he responds to certain things. You gotta, you gotta see his body language. All this stuff is important, you know, and. Well, and in the same token though, they could also hurt him. That's so that's well, they could. So important. But this is, but again, this is why I'm saying, like, what if the guy comes in and blows you away with this per, with this person and his football character, though? That could happen too. You never know. This is why I keep saying, you guys, it's very important. You know, if if the Bears end up drafting Caleb Williams, it's because they said, okay, his tape looks great, and this guy that we've talked to and we've been meeting with, he's exactly the guy we want to lead this football team. That's the bottom line. If you don't get that from him, if you don't see that from him, they're not going to draft him. Not that's just not going to happen. You don't take that risk, number one overall. So again, I'm not saying that it's not going to happen or it is going to happen. But what I am saying is that they're going to talk to this guy and make that determination once they've talked to the guy. 
because you can't determine that until you know something about the guy. They don't know anything about him as a person, as, as far as like one-on-one anyways, at least, you know, so they, you gotta, you gotta get to that point first, at least in my opinion, I really feel that way. And you guys are in here talking about some of the stuff like the crying. Here's my perspective on this. And I think Greg, I think Greg Gabriel mentioned this also on a show before too. And I agree with it. Okay. It's not so much the crying to me. Look, people cry. I get it. I, so when I was in high school as a wrestler, my, my team went to the state championship every year I was there. And the first three years I was in high school and the first couple of years we went, we lost. And the second year we went, we lost in the state championship match. We were runners up. And I remember both years at the end, guys in the locker room were crying and they were seniors both years because they knew it was the last time they were going to wrestle with the rest of us around. And I remember one of those guys in particular saying, I'm not crying guys because we lost. I'm crying because it's the last time I'm going to spend with you guys on this team as a wrestler and, and, and as, as, as wrestlers together. And to me, that's like exactly what you got to be looking for in a teammate, number one. And number two, my point that I was trying to make was, is if you're crying in the locker room around your teammates after a loss or after something difficult, I get it. That makes sense. But what I don't like about the whole thing is that he like went into the stands and made a big scene and cried with his mom and all that kind of stuff. I don't necessarily care for that because it's not so much that he's crying. I feel like there's almost a little bit of intent there to get some attention on him. And and if that's not the case, again, that's a little bit of speculation. So I don't want to say anything bad about the kid, but even if that's not the case, in my opinion, you should be able to hold that in, rein in your emotions a little bit until you get to the locker room. And then you can have that with your teammates. You don't need to display it with your mother on the field in front of everybody else before you've shared that moment with your teammates you've gone to battle with. If you want to share that moment with your mom afterwards, I totally understand that. In private, I totally understand that. And again, this is just my opinion. I do not like the way that it went down, the fact that he jumped up in the stands to do it. I feel like that's something that could have been done in private with his mom, and it could have been done with his teammates in the locker room and not on the field and made a big spectacle of it. Just my personal opinion. Well, and I'm of the same, I'm in agreement with that. My whole thing with it is, number one, um, you know, the the antics, they're, they're, in my opinion, he's just looking for attention. And I had mentioned this last week that I think it's more of a brand awareness thing. He was just trying to bring more attention to his brand, trying to build his name up, um, things like that, get himself out there more. Like it's obviously for attention. My, here's where I, where I think it's going to, it's going to come back to bite him because he may have fantastic football character for all we know. We don't know. And in those meetings, he may blow people away. The problem is he's not going to be able to just walk in there and have a conversation, talk football. He's going to have to explain himself in those situations, which in the end could cost him draft position. I mean, let face reality. You know, there's always that one team that's going to jump up and, and not look at those things as much. Like they'll see the talent on the field and that's what they want to do. Well, but real quick is, but I don't want to cut you off, Tim, but there's a couple questions we want to get to. And I want to, I want to get to a comment before we get to those questions because we're running out of time here. Mm-hmm. So Laz makes uh, Laz wants to know if polls goes with Caleb, will you be bashing him or stick with polls? 
And the reason I even want to mention this right now, Laz, is because I don't feel like we're bashing Caleb. I don't think I've been bashing Caleb in any way whatsoever. I feel like my point that I've been trying to make this whole time is, is whichever direction that they go is going to be based on the combination of what they see on the field and that man, that football character combined with the man. And if they aren't satisfied with what they see in Caleb, they're not going to draft him. Now, if they do draft him, they clearly are satisfied with that. And I would rally around him and support him. If they do the same with Justin Fields, if they decide to stick with Fields, move down, I'm obviously going to support Fields. That's the direction I would prefer they go. Just because I, both I I believe that Fields can be a good, a good enough player to win a Super Bowl with. And also, it'll help you to build your team by moving down and collecting higher draft capital. So I feel like at least faster. You can build your team faster that way. So that's just my personal preference. I would not bash I would not bash polls for drafting Caleb Williams because that would mean that he believed in the person and the talent on the field. The talent on the field is you can't deny that. You know, you guys, anybody can see with eyes that the guy's got some talent. You know, obviously he's got clear arm talent. Now, whether or not you want to debate whether he's the best quarterback in a draft, whether he's the most NFL ready, whether he's got this, that, or the other thing, that's a whole other story. But the talent is clearly there. You can't argue that. Okay. But the fact, like I said, fact of the matter is that combination of person and player is going to, is going to make this determination. And if they go with Caleb, it's going to be because they felt comfortable with the person and the character, the football character. I'll, qu I quickly just want to point out with this too. It's again, that's never been a talent thing for me. My issue is I'm not sure that he's mature enough to be a Chicago bear. Number one and handle the Chicago media. I have to know that for sure before I go in. And clearly my whole point in this whole process is the football character, like we've said probably 3000 times over the last two months is such a big thing for this, for this organization, or I should say for this staff. So, and my thing is the talent has to be, he has to be leagues ahead of Justin Fields. And me personally, I just don't see that. But if Ryan Poles does decide to go with Caleb Williams, I'm not going to bash Poles because he is obviously a better football evaluator of talent than I am. That's why he's in the position that he is. Although I may not agree with the move because I think it would be better to build around fields in the roster or build the roster around fields. I'm not going to question Ryan Poles because I'm not the one making those decisions. And I know he's a better person for that than me. However, that's my stance. And I don't feel like I don't feel like either one of us is bashing Caleb Williams, the player. Well, I mean, you can make the argument whether it just depends on how you view things, whether or not he's substantially better talent wise or whether his ceiling is substantially higher than Justin's. But I've argued this point. The very first episode we had, I argued the point that Justin can do things on the football field that nobody else can do. Mm -hmm. So in my opinion, his ceiling is just as high as anybody else's. It's just a matter of whether we can find that ceiling or not. So and I, I think that they can. I think they could. It's just a matter of are we going to? Are we going to decide to go down the route whether we want to give that effort or are we going to go with the rookie quarterback? So, again, guys, the, the combine smoke and what we hear at that time is going to be more – it's going to give us a better idea, in my opinion, of what's going to happen. And so there's another, there's another question in here I want to get to real quick um, about a point that Dave Wanstead made. Mm -hmm. that Aldo puts on the screen here. Dave Wanstead said the Bears should consider moving Tyreek Stevenson to safety. And do you think Stevenson should be a candidate to replace 
uh, Eddie Jackson. And here's my argument to this. Personally, I feel like Tyreek Stevenson is not moving anywhere. I feel like you've got a guy who's a building block on the outside and he played so well at the end of the year. Why would you want to move him around and change that? That being said, there is a guy on this roster, a corner on this roster that I could see starting to take reps at safety. And he's also a rookie last year, a guy named Terrell Smith, Smith. drafted in the fifth round. Now, Smith, the reason I think he could do that is because, number one, he I feel like he's got the traits to play safety. He's got the length. He's got just not quite enough speed on the outside to be like that number one outside corner, but I think he can get away with it at safety. Mm-hmm. And he's got good instincts. He's a good tackler, you know, and he's a guy that is probably not going to see the field a ton unless injuries happen. So I could see him starting to take some looks at mm-hmm. safety. And if all else fails – Maybe he does become the safety one day. It could happen. I could see it. Laz makes a quote on or a comment on here that Stevenson could be an all-pro safety. Stevenson could be an all-pro corner. Yeah, I agree with that. Corner this year. That's a good point. Why why move him from a position that he's really good at? And a corner is a much more premium position than a safety. You can get safeties. It's hard to find premier corners. And if you can get two of them, that can lock guys down. Good luck beating us on defense with a, with your wide receiver talent. Yeah, you make a good point. You know, yeah, Laz makes a good point too. Sure, he could be a really good safety, an elite, an elite safety potential. But I I agree. I think it could be an All Pro corner too. The way he played last year and the way people talk about him, just the way he's not afraid to stick his nose in there and play ball. You know, he's a physical player. He plays the ball well. He had multiple interceptions last year, if I'm not mistaken. The guy the guy could be a player now on the outside. You pair him with Jalen Johnson, you're talking about potentially the best one-two pairing at, at, on the outside in the league. And with Kyler Gordon on the inside playing the slot or the nickel roll, you know, you guys might be talking about the best corner trio in the entire league. There very well could be. And if you move a guy like Smith over to safety because he's not getting a ton of, a ton of time at corner, that's a, you know, that's a potential possibility, but I do think safety is obviously a need here and they're going to address it either in free agency and or the draft. So hey, we're running out of time, but if there's another question or two, we'll answer really quickly and then uh, we'll go ahead and close out. Here's one here. 3.5 Houston asks, can you explain to me why genius Waldron gained less yards than worse? OC Getsy. I'm not really sure what he's asking here. He's asking uh, why why Waldron's offense gained less yardage than um, Luke Getz's offense I'm last year. I'm answer this. I'm answer the easiest way I can. Let me ask I you this, sir. Let me ask you about points. I was gonna say. I was just gonna say. I'm gonna I'm gonna answer that with one question. Who scored more points? Yep. Was it the Bears or the Seahawks? I would bet it's the Seahawks. Who had the better record? Was it the Bears or the Seahawks? Who was able to make play calls at the end of the game that were suitable to not taking your foot off the gas and actually continuing to play ball? All they did was play conservative football at the end of the games. And then when it t- when it came time to go out and win one, he, he didn't know what to call. It was the same shit over and over and over again. And it got him zero, so. zero ability to adapt. Zero. Zero. And they talked about that in the press conference. Did <laughs> they talked about that in the press conference? Did Eberflus? He mentioned how in both in season and in-game adaptability was important to them. I think that word adaptability was thrown around the press conference about 50 times between the three coaches. So that's a big deal to me, guys. We want coaches who are going to adapt to the personnel and are going to be able to make in-game and in-season adjustments 
to help them win games. Okay. How many times in this in game last year did we see the Bears come out on fire, especially the first series when you know they've got a pretty good scripted game plan to start it out? You know, I'll be the first one to admit Getsy was a pretty decent game planner, but when it came time to adjust and do things in game, he was a total failure. He had no clue what was going on. He could not make decisions in game to help his players overcome adversity they were facing in game. And that was a huge problem. I think we got we got time for one more question really quick if we've got another one here. I don't know if we have any more, but we may not have another one. So um I just wanted to uh really quickly point out before we go, you know, like I said, there's a lot of stuff going on here. Uh it's been a crazy week for sure. But I, you know, it's what I really enjoy this conversation with you guys in the in the chat. You guys always give us great questions. You always make great comments and good thing. You guys definitely help us keep the show flowing and, and I help drive it. You guys definitely drive it for sure. So I really appreciate it. Um, Thank you guys for the support. Thank you for commenting. Thank you for um, uh, asking others to like the video. That's huge for us. And it's huge for Barroom network because it really helps get uh, the videos to a, a bigger audience. So appreciate you guys. Appreciate you guys being Bears fans because there's no greater team on the planet than our Chicago Bears. Guys, have a great week. We'll see you guys uh, next week as the Combine, so a lot of stuff to talk about. Go ahead, Jeff. Hey, real quick, real quick before we go, just a reminder, guys. Um, like I said, I think Tim's right. I think we got through everything we wanted to talk about today, but real quick reminder, please give us, like Tim said, please give us a like on the video here. Uh, give us a follow at Barroom Network at JAW0235. That's JAW like jaw. 0235. Tim is at Tim Willis 24. Jay Gris says go Irish and yes, go Irish. We might be having another Notre Dame related guest coming on in the near future. So keep an eye out for that guys. But again, like it's like Tim said, we appreciate you guys in the chat every week. Uh, we can't wait until next week. We do it all, do this all again. And we hope to see us there. Thanks guys. See you guys.